Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. My name is Brian and it's good to talk to you again. Right now we're engaged in a series that we have entitled Who We Are. And we're talking about some of the foundational things that make up our identity as followers of Jesus Christ and as people engaged in the community here at Mount Hope. Sometimes it's important to get back to the basics and talk about the things that matter most. So I hope you enjoy these talks and I hope you listen closely because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. And I don't know about you, but I get a lot of phone calls every day. A lot of phone calls, maybe 20, 25, sometimes 30 phone calls per day. But before you start to misguide yourself into believing that I'm somehow important, let me give you an idea of what those 25 to 30 phone calls typically are. Two of them are from people I know. Two of them. Usually my wife in the morning and my wife in the evening. That's pretty much it. I probably need some new friends. But at at the same time, I get two phone calls from people I know. And the other 20 to 27 to 28 phone calls that I get per day are from people who are trying to sell me something. And you probably live in the same boat right now where your phone is ringing off the hook and the phone calls are the calls that you simply don't want to get. And there's someone trying to sell you something Someone trying to solicit you in some way or maybe even threaten you in some way over the phone. And lately that's been happening more than ever before. Here's the interesting thing about it. If you think about the vast majority of the calls that you get and the vast majority of calls I know that I get, they have nothing to do with me. They have nothing to do with anything I would ever want to buy, nothing to do with anything that's going on in my life. In fact, just this past week, I've got several phone calls asking me if I needed help getting rid of my timeshare. I've never had a timeshare, but they're asking me if I want help getting rid of it. A couple months ago, I got a phone call asking if I wanted to purchase an extended warranty on my 1996 Honda Accord. I'm pretty sure I got rid of that car two years after I bought it. I'm pretty sure I got rid of that car. But for some reason, they're asking, do you want to purchase an extended warranty on this specific car? I don't know about you, but some of us right now are getting calls about, uh, do you need, if you pay X amount of dollars on your credit card, or if you give us your credit card number over the phone, we'll help get rid of all your viruses on your Microsoft device. I don't have a Microsoft device, but I get that call constantly. And then that, that, that really threatening, that robocall, that annoying voice that says, this is the IRS, that call, that call is constantly calling and telling me that if you don't pay your taxes, that we will come and, I don't know, slash the tires on your 1996 Honda Accord. It's, telling, it's threatening me constantly. But every one of these calls, they're intended for someone else. The intended audience is wrong. The recipient is wrong. And as a result, I will never be responding to that timeshare call, never responding to that Microsoft call. I'm hanging up on the IRS call. They're not getting the intended outcome because they have simply got the audience wrong. They've called the wrong person in most of these cases. If you look in the world around us right now, this is happening constantly. We get the audience wrong, and as a result, the outcome is wrong. Or as a result, what we're doing is wrong. In my marketing classes and communication classes in general, we stress to our students every day. We drill it into their heads. Know your audience. Get the audience right. If you ever want to sell a product to someone, you have to get the audience right first. If you think about what's been going on in pop culture, we've seen this happen a couple of times recently. Everyone remember this moment with Steve Harvey and the Miss Universe pageant? 
If you remember this, what happened? Here's this host in this massive moment on television where he's about to announce the winner of the Miss Universe pageant, and he hands the award to Miss Columbia only a few seconds later to say, oops, we got the wrong person. It was actually Miss Philippines that won that specific award. A couple months later, fast forward to the Oscars, and you remember this giant controversy surrounding the Oscars where uh, one movie was presented with the award and the recipients come up and in that very pretentious Hollywood way receive the award as they just did the most important thing in the history of the world. And then a few seconds later, oops, we made a mistake. The actual intended audience was a different movie, and then they come up and receive the award. What is it about getting the audience wrong that messes up everything else that we do after that? that just causes this confusion, causes this chaos when we get the audience wrong, when we mix up who the intended audience is. And this morning, we're going to look at a specific passage of Scripture where Paul and where the Holy Spirit is compelling us to get the audience right. And when you get the audience right, everything else will fall into place the way it's supposed to. If you've been with us the past few weeks, we have been in our series called Who We Are where we're laying out what we as a church not only believe, but who we are when it comes to the mission of the kingdom of God. We talked about how important it is in that week one about the Bible and scripture and how the Bible builds everything else around us. And we said that we don't change, we don't change the Bible to fit our lives, but we change our lives to fit the Bible. And then week two, we looked into prayer and this foundational element of our lives called prayer. And we said that prayer is, not, uh, is, is always our first priority, not our last resort. And today we're going to look at one of the most foundational parts of who we are. It's actually who we are. It's us, the church. What does this mean to be the church and how do we behave as a church? And we're going to look into that specifically today in the book of Romans, chapter 12, how are we supposed to behave or how are we supposed to be as the church? So if you have that chapter in front of you, I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. Please follow along if you can. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
What does it mean to be the church? Who are we when we gather here together? Are we just a group of random people who gather together on a Sunday because it's convenient, because I enjoy the music, or I enjoy the preaching, or I enjoy that my kids are having a good time downstairs? Why do we gather? Why are we here? And what's the purpose of us being here? Pastor Brian mentioned it a little earlier. He said like this, that our identity is really where our calling is. And so what does that mean? What does that look like? What's the point of gathering here on a Sunday? Now, in order for us to fully dissect what this chapter, what this passage of Scripture is saying, I think we have to understand the audience that Paul is writing this to. Paul is writing this to a group of people under severe persecution. People who are being persecuted for following something that they called the way, following Jesus Christ. For that reason, they were persecuted. They were not allowed to gather publicly. They were not allowed to proclaim things publicly. They were not allowed to own land. And they were definitely not allowed to build structures or build what we call today churches. They were not allowed to build these places that would allow them to go and gather publicly and worship God together. And in that setting, Paul writes these words about this is who you're supposed to be as a church. Now let's fast forward to 2019 and look at ourselves here today. Look at our society and our culture at large. If you say the word church, what's the first image that pops into your mind? It's the white building with the steeple. It's the place where people gather. Now, the the person that was reading this passage in the first century, they were reading this passage and saying, look, we are meant to be the church. We are not necessarily meant to go to church. There were two very different things. It was not necessarily a destination or a place. It was a group of people on mission for God. They were two very, very different things. But what's happened to us over time As we've developed more freedoms, as we've developed, especially in the United States in this culture that we're in, where we're allowed to gather and worship, the church has become a destination. The church has become a place you go, and in many cases, if we're honest with ourselves, a little thing that we check off every week that I did this week. Did you go to church? I went to church. But when Paul writes to the church, meaning us, He reminds us that the church is not a place. The church is a group of people on mission for God. And if that's the case, it forces us to change the way we look at things. Over these 2,000 years, something has happened in the life of the church. We have started to make church a thing we do, not necessarily a way we live. And what's happened? Somewhere along the line, we we started becoming consumers, We started having options when we could buy things, that every little thing that we buy, there's competition, so there's consumerism, where consumerism says, I can walk into any store and buy exactly what I want for the price I want to pay. Today, I don't even have to walk into a store. I can sit in my pajamas and make those purchase decisions. If I want to have food, I have food my way. I get things the way I want them so that it feeds me. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel right. But the problem, and that's a great thing in many cases, But the problem with consumerism is that when it leaks into our gathering, when it comes into this place, is that it causes us to look at church very differently from the way that God intended the church to be. We start to look at the church as a place where I can get what I want, where I can come and be fed, where I can get all the things that I need for the week, or at the very least, I can check off that box saying, I attended church this past week. 
and it becomes about us. It becomes about me getting what I want when I gather here. And so we do things like church shopping. We go looking for churches that fit our needs. The music's got to be just right. The preaching's got to be just right. The seats have to be just right. The air temperature has to be just right. We are building our lives around this consumer mentality that I have to get what I want. What happens when we get the audience wrong, when we get the intended audience mixed up? In fact, let's be honest, just gathering here can sometimes feed into that feeling. Take a look at what you're sitting on right now. You're sitting on right now the Hercules series, 18 and a half inch width, burgundy colored, with book rack, church chair. By the way, that is the actual name of it. You are sitting on the Cadillac of church chairs right now. <laughs> this thing right here can often force us into thinking like that, like a consumer. Think about it for a second. Where else in your life do you gather somewhere, sit in a chair, look up at a stage with lights like this and microphones and instruments, and you are not the intended audience? There's no other place really in life like that. It can be easy for us to fool ourselves into believing that when I gather here on a Sunday, I am the intended audience. I am here to be fed. I am here to receive. I am here to get stuff. But the way that Paul talks about it in Romans and the way that Scripture talks about the church, it was never about you and me gathering somewhere to get a bunch of stuff. Now, that's a part of it. But that's not really the purpose. That's not really the mission. And so if we're going to summarize who we are as a group of believers here at Mount Hope in Belmont, I'll say it like this. We are not merely spiritual consumers, but we are active contributors. I'll say that again. We are not merely spiritual consumers. We are active contributors. Let me give you a reminder from the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. In 1 Peter, we read it like this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him bring, belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Here's the mistake that we often make. And if I'm honest, and maybe if you're honest too, we can all fall prey to this feeling of being pew warmers. We come here, we warm the seat up, we get what we want, and we walk out the doors and we go do what we want from here on out. But here at Mount Hope and here as the church in general, as God's church, we are not called to just be spiritual consumers who come in and get stuff, who make a transaction that I walked in the door, I get my check mark, I get my gold star for this week, and now I get to go out and be happy that I made that transaction. We come here week in and week out not to be passive consumers, but to be active contributors in the kingdom of God. Warming the bench is not an option for the follower of Christ. Sitting here and just receiving is not an option for the follower of Christ because you are called for something so much bigger and something so much greater than that. I remember in fifth grade, I tried out for the basketball team in my local town, and I'll remember this because... Uh, in my backyard, I was a legend at basketball. <laughs> but when I joined the team, I realized quickly that I was not the legend that I thought I was in my backyard. 
I sat the bench almost the entire season. I warmed that little seat at the end of the bench all season. I'd play a minute here, a minute there. I'd get some garbage time minutes at the end of a game. I'd get to play here and there. When my team had a huge lead or we were losing by a lot, I'd get to play a minute or two there. But I warmed that bench all season. That spot was always warm because I sat there. Now, when I talked to my friends, I would say, yeah, I made the team. I'm on the team. I would say that all the time. But let me be honest. What was my contribution? Minimal. Unless someone wanted to sit on a warm seat at some point after the game. My contribution was minimal. I was simply there, but I wasn't contributing. And the temptation and the failure that oftentimes happens in God's church is simply this, that we become pew warmers. We want everything to work according to our needs. The music has to be just right. And if it's not, then I'm going to stop coming to this church. That the prayer time has to be the way I like prayer time. Or the preaching has to be the style that I like. Otherwise, I'm leaving. I'm going to go find it somewhere else. And the danger in that is that we become consumers. We think it's about us. And I said earlier today, when the intended audience is wrong, everything else is wrong. How many of you understand that when we gather here on a Sunday, there is only one audience when we gather here, and that audience is God Almighty. He is the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of this universe. He breathed it into existence with a word, and that God is the audience when we gather here on a Sunday. And one of the biggest mistakes we can make as people of God is to gather here and to fool ourselves into thinking, I am the audience when I gather here. How arrogant, how mistaken, how misguided we can sometimes be in those cases. Paul says it like this in chapter 12, and I hope you'll take some time to dive deep into it when you have some time this week. He says that we are called to be living sacrifices, to transform, to renew our mind, and by renewing our mind, change the way we worship God by being living sacrifices. Paul gives us three things, I think, three things that he wants us to every week and every day put into practice. If we are to be the transformative community that God is calling us to be, then I think there are three things that we need to be praying based off of Romans 12 every single day. And number one Paul says you need to change your perspective. Paul is praying, change my perspective. What does he say here? He says like this in Romans 12, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The first thing Paul says we need to learn to do is change my perspective, change the way we look at all of this. Number one, we have to change who the audience is, that the audience is not me. The audience is God Almighty. The audience is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ that gave himself for us. That's the audience. Now, what does the audience want me to do about it? And that's where we have to start to change my perspective. And Paul says the most important way we can change our perspective is to start thinking of other people more highly than us. Wow. Talk about countercultural. Talk about totally opposite what our society tells us today. Our consumer society that tells us, go and get what's yours. You live yourself. You live your life. You do you. Get what you want. That idea, that consumer idea is thrown out the window when Paul says, start by thinking of other people bigger than yourself or higher than yourself. That's not normal thinking in 2019 America. 
But Paul says if we want to be the transformative community that God calls us to be, it starts by not thinking of ourselves first, by not coming here and expecting to receive, but by coming here and expecting to contribute, to make someone else's life better, to bless someone else in some way. In fact, in the very same chapter, Paul says it like this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I need to change my perspective if I'm going to live this kind of life as a church. This is what it means to be the church. This is what it means to be a part of Mount Hope. Why do we do what we do? Why do the volunteers who are downstairs serve the way that they do? They would love to sit here and consume, and I know it. Why are they in the back? Why are they preparing refreshments between services? Why are they greeting and ushering? Why are they doing these things when they could just sit and be consumers? Because somewhere in their lives, they came to terms with the audience. And when they got the audience right, their perspective changed. And the perspective was no longer, look, I need to come and get what's mine. It became, I need to come and give what I can give. I need to contribute where I can contribute. I need to serve where I can serve. It starts with a change in perspective. Paul doesn't stop there. He says, after you've changed your perspective, it's time to pray like this. God, put my gift into practice. Put my gift into practice. This is how Paul says it. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Does that sound like a passive consumer church right there? That's as active and as contributing as you can possibly get. It's a church that realizes that as soon as I gather in the presence of God, the audience is God But then the mission is everyone else around me. I have to use the gifts God has given me for his glory. But what does consumerism do? Consumerism fools us into believing that if I'm around the stuff, that I will become the stuff, right? It's this idea that if I sit in the seat, I will become a Christian or I will be a better Christian if I sit in the seat. Right now, uh, in popular culture, this, this woman is becoming very famous. I don't know if you know who she is, but her name is Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo has become very, very famous for a television show or for a show that she has where she organizes people's lives. That's all she does, right? She, she teaches you how to fold your clothes. She teaches you how to put away things in your closet. She teaches you how to get rid of stuff that you don't need in your home. And Marie Kondo has become very, very famous. Now, here's what's also happening. Many people are watching her show, but many people are still living in the absolute squalor and chaos that they always lived in. Why? Because just by watching Marie Kondo doesn't make my house suddenly clean. There's got to be something in between, right? Something else has to happen. Watching the show does not make my house any cleaner than me sitting next to exercise equipment and losing weight. It does not happen. 
something has to take place in between. There has to be an exercising, a practicing of the gift in order for something to happen. Imagine that you are at a construction site and a general contractor gathers and he gathers all the subcontractors around him, the plumber, the electrician, the, the carpenter, and gathers them all around. And the general contractor says, well, today we're going to learn the theories of building. And for the next hour, he teaches them the theories of building, and then they all go home. Nothing will get done. Nothing gets built when we come with that attitude, with that mindset of if I sit here, if I attend, then everything changes. Now, attending is obviously very important. But are you putting your gift into practice? Are you exercising the gifts God has given you, or are you simply consuming? Are you using the gift of encouragement that you have? And let's be honest, many of you have it. I receive it every week, so I know you have it. So I ask you, are you using it? Are you putting it into practice? For those of you who can lead, are you leading? For those of you who can give, are you giving? For those of you who have the gift of prophecy or for those of you who have any gift that God has given you, maybe your gift is as simple as praying for someone else. Don't neglect that gift. If you walk in here saying, I'm a contributor and not just a consumer, you will put your gift into practice every time you walk into this place. I encourage you to discover and pray what, God, is the gift that you've given me and how can I put that gift into practice? The danger often is to wait for someone to say, hey, you know what, you should serve on this team or you should be a part of our children's ministry. The danger is to wait for that. If God has given you a gift and if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to use that gift, use the gift. Put the gift into practice. Encourage someone. Give to someone. Pray for someone. Love someone. Bless someone. Go and do it. Because the biggest danger that we as the church in 2019 can face today is a passive church of consumers rather than an active church of contributors. I call, God calls us to this type of a life. If you think of Jesus in John chapter 4, sitting by a well, having a conversation with a woman who he meets that day by the well. His disciples come to him and say, Master, have you had anything to eat yet? And Jesus responds to them saying, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, I find my greatest consumption in contributing. I find my greatest fulfillment in contributing, in doing the work of the one who called me. You see, what we often make the mistake of doing is thinking that I can just check a box by showing up here. And that's great that you're here. But what is God calling you to do next? Maybe you come here once a month and maybe God is calling you. Let me, I'll start to come twice a month, three times a month. Maybe once I gather here, rather than leaving right away, I'll stop and have conversations with people. And I'll find out not only what they can do for me, but maybe what I can do for them. How I can bless them in some way or pray for them in some way to hear their burden. Maybe I can cook a meal for someone this week and bless them in that regard. What can I do with what God has given me? You see, for God calls us to serve in his church here God also calls us to serve as his church out there. What can we do to be the church? So God calls us to change our perspective, to put our gift into practice, and finally Paul says he calls us to persevere. He says it like this. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Here's what I've learned over time, and I think many of us have seen it and lived it ourselves. Serving God, being selfless, giving sacrificially, taking on another person's pain, it's not easy. It requires me to deny myself, to take up my cross and follow Christ. It takes me giving up so that someone else can have. Again, a mindset that goes against what our culture tells us today. But a mindset that Paul reminds us is so important. And then he says, look, when you face frustration, when you're tired of serving in the children's ministry, you're tired of serving, and you're tired of growing and doing these things for other people, persevere in the middle of that. Don't lack in your spiritual fervor. Don't get frustrated and don't lose hope because your reward is there, but more importantly, your calling is being lived out. Your identity is being lived out as a follower of Christ. Don't grow weary in well-doing is how the Bible puts it. Persevere. Contributing comes with frustration. It comes with pain, but that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be. I'll put it this way, and we'll close this way, and we'll say it this one, one way so that we can understand it and the perspective around it. Governments have tried to make the world a better place. Organizations have tried to make the world a better place. There are so many nonprofits that do great work and have cause-related marketing that does amazing stuff. But no organization in the history of the world has changed the world for the better like the church of Jesus Christ. Ever. And still to this day, that's happening. Why? Because a group of people decided that I don't want to be a consumer. I'm going to be a contributor. God has blessed me. I'm going to go pour that out on someone else. And I'm going to find places in my life where I can do that today and throughout this week. The biggest mistake we can make is to get the audience wrong. To assume that I am the audience and I'm here to just receive. The audience is God. And his mission is for us to contribute. I'm going to call our worship team forward as we close out our service this morning. The power of the active, transformative church is simply this. It's not amazing preachers and outstanding worship ministries, even though those play a big part. The power of the transformative church is the person who comes here on a Sunday, fills themselves up with what God needs them to be filled with, and then pours it on other people and releases that power in some way on someone else throughout the course of the week. Is there someone you can call this week? Maybe an email or a text message that you can send to someone and encourage them? Is there somewhere where you can give charitably, freely, cheerfully, and say, look, I'm going to go without something so that you can have something. And I'm so glad that we are in a community that does that regularly. If there's somewhere in your life where you are struggling, I'm so glad that we live in a community where we can uphold one another. Well, maybe there's a place where you can go and bless someone that is struggling as well. Can you be the transformative church? Can you be a group of people who are not merely consumers, but active spiritual contributors? Let's pray before we enter a time of worship. And as we pray, I hope you will keep these three ideas for prayer in mind. God, change my perspective. God, put my gifts into practice. And God, give me the strength to persevere.
Do not grow weary in well-doing. Be a living sacrifice, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge, Lord, many times we come here because that's what we're supposed to do. Because it checks the box. It keeps us from the guilt of saying that I didn't go to church this week. God, thank you because you've called us to not just go to church, but you've called us to be the church. And Lord, this morning, remind us of what that means. Change my perspective. God, put my gift into practice. Lord, give me the strength to persevere this morning. God, I pray for every person here who's wondering, who's thinking about, what does that mean for me? Holy Spirit, reveal it to us this morning. Help us to hear what it is that you want us to hear and know what it is you want us to know. God, put the right people in our path this morning, this week, this month, this year to serve you with the gifts you've given me. God, let me not just be a spiritual consumer, but an active contributor. We give you glory and honor. God, let our worship lift you up this morning. Help us to honor you and lift you up as you deserve. God, you are the audience, and we give you praise today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we rise to our feet and we worship God this morning, I remind you that the, the end of this sermon, the end of this message, There is no, hey, can you sign up for this team? Hey, can you go and be a part of this ministry? Although that would be wonderful. The call is simply this. Holy Spirit, tell me what I'm supposed to do next. Show me what I'm supposed to do next. Help me to be a contributor and not just a consumer. Let's worship the Lord together. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website, at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.